0: calling all reactive dog owners. I made a program just for you. Reactive Redefined is an online coaching program that will give you the practical skills and the emotional support to make huge strides in training with your reactive dog. Reactive Redefined is open for enrollment now, but only for a limited time. Reactive Redefined closes for enrollment on January 15th. So if you want to be a part of this life-changing program, head to my website, agfdogtraining.com reactiveredefined reactive redefined to learn more. All right, everybody welcome back to another episode of disorderly dogs the podcast um this is a reactive redefine case study edition and i have two lovely participants from reactive redefine so um do you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves for the listeners so they're a wonderful couple and they both contributed equally to the training which is so freaking cool kudos to you guys but anyways you can introduce yourselves
1: thank you uh, my name is dina i'm jared and we have brisket
0: Oh my God. Okay. And guys, when I first met them, I was obsessed with the name Brisket. And that's why I really wanted to work with you guys, just because I love the name Brisket. But once I got to know her, it made me love her even more. So um, do you guys want to kind of tell the listeners um, how Brisket came into your life?
1: Yeah. So I basically had a dog who I was obsessed with, who passed away on my 30th birthday. And um, Jarrett was in the process of moving to Buffalo. I was still in Chicago by myself. And I knew that when I moved to Buffalo, not having any friends or family in the area, that I was going to have to have another dog. Um, and all of my friends basically convinced me like, hey, um, you know, there's a million dogs out there that need to be rescued. Like, get a new dog. Dakota's not going to be upset with you. Um, so we found an organization in Chicago through one of my old bosses who had gotten several dogs from this organization, really liked it. And I think our goal was pretty much just to not get a yellow lab again. <laughs> um, yeah, and so we went to uh, the rescue, searching out actually a Rottweiler that, Briss, uh, that Jarrett had wanted. And we ended up going there to see if we could see the dog and you know hang out with Guster. He wasn't available, he was at a foster home. Uh, so we had asked to see Brisket also um, and we pretty much knew it was First Love because she had a Halloween severed hand and she was playing with that like as a toy. And I'm obsessed with Halloween. And then they tried to like call her over. She ran onto the picnic table that Jarrett was sitting on and like dragged herself down his chest to his lap and then just sat on his lap and wouldn't leave. So we pretty much knew from that moment that like we had to bring her home
0: (laughs) oh my god so Jared she chose you essentially is the moral of the story
2: he was really excited to see us (laughs) oh my
0: god okay so for everyone listening can you describe um what brisket looks like so do you know her breeds or guess guesses of breed
2: they called her part border collie when we picked her up she's got the coloring and she's got really perky ears and then she's really muscular, so we're not sure what else she's got in her, but she's a, somebody said maybe like Basenji or something like that. You said that. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, she does. She's got those like amazing ears that just stick straight up in her black and white body. She's so freaking cute. Does she have a curly tail? Yeah. 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 And it like curls over her back. Oh my God. She's so cute. Okay. So she essentially chose you guys and then you brought her into your life. Did they give you much like info on her? Like, did you have any idea what you were in for?
1: So our only application information was that we wanted a dog who could go to daycare and dog parks. Um, my previous dog Dakota had really bad aggression issues Um, She wasn't like reactive, I would say. She was just straight aggressive. So if she would walk her, she would ignore absolutely every animal that walked by. But if an animal came up to her to sniff or anything, she would growl, get really upset. So she was sinister in that people would go up to her as a yellow lab and be like, hey, I want to hang out with you. And she'd be like, I will bite you. Oh my God. Typically, so actually, you dog. didn't want
0: that again, right? right. Like, that's right. a lot to manage. So we asked for a dog that was
1: social. And we got brisket. Who's not? So...
0: Okay. So, so tell me, so what were the early signs that you knew you had more on your hands than just like the average dog? So Jarrett, you met her and then how, ha- did you leave for Buffalo soon after that?
2: Yeah. So I, I was just at that point, I was going back and forth. Right. Yeah. Was I, yeah. So I was only in on the weekend. So I was flying in and then leaving Sunday. Um, She went and met Friskin again with your mom. Right. Yeah. And then she brought brisket home when I wasn't even around yet. So my first meeting with her in our what would be one of our environments was her sort of panicked, like FaceTiming me, because brisket was sort of going nuts. She couldn't be in front of me. We had a big glass door that she couldn't look out of because she would start crying and freaking out.
1: She was so reactive. She barked at herself in the mirror because she thought she was a different dog. Oh my God. Okay. So
0: like you knew right away, you're like, oh my God. Okay. We have so a they, lot to work on.
1: The only information they told us was that because she was hit by a car and her entire leg was shattered, that she was in a cast. So during her socialization period as a puppy, she was in isolation and in a crate for months. Like I, they said something like six to eight weeks or something like that. So she had no socialization but they were like, yeah, no, she's fine. Like she'd play in the yard. She goes on like side by sidewalks with other people. Um, we just prefer if she lives in a house that doesn't have other animals and him and I were like, Oh, okay. We don't have any other, we probably can't handle more than one dog at a time anyway. So yeah, like, let's do it. Not what we got,
0: <laughs> and it's so hard. Right. And like, I don't think that rescue groups mean anything maliciously, like because they want dogs to get adopted, but like, I feel like going forward if if you see that on an application for a dog you're probably going to think twice about what that really means a dog like having to be the only dog.
1: Yeah, so it was weird. I felt like I wanted to spend more time with brisket like in a one-on-one setting on the, like at the shelter before we actually committed and adopted her, but they kind of seemed like they not like churn and burn but they almost wanted to be like okay well if someone else comes along and wants this dog we're giving them you know that person we don't do holds or anything so we kind of had to go back and forth between like do we want this dog enough to like pull the trigger and not know her all that well or do we want to like take the chance and adopt the dog and work everything out and we ended up doing the latter which (laughs) It was a lot of work and very expensive, but.
0: And seriously, I have to commend you guys because like brisket presented with a lot of abnormal out of the ordinary stuff. Right. Like it wasn't just like she was barking at dogs on walks. Right. Like your day to day. She wasn't doing well alone. She wasn't doing well in the apartment. Like it was a very labor intensive process process and still is for you guys. Right. And I think that a lot of listeners can relate to that. Right. Like not truly knowing the project they took on and te- tell they were like, you know, there's no going back and we've got to do everything we can for this dog.
1: Well, and sifting through training methods and like ways to calm her down, I think was the most difficult part because Jared has never had a dog before, no animals whatsoever, actually. And I only had one dog that had such bad separation anxiety that if I dropped the leash, she would not leave my side because that's just, it was like me and her. And so that's all she wanted. Didn't want to do anything else. So I had not experienced this type of thing before in my My other dog didn't really have like training per se. Like she went to like puppy classes, graduated with flying colors, and then would ignore every command we gave her, basically. (laughs) I mean, we had to go through like people telling us to train, like keep her in the crate all day, people who said not to crate her at all. And then, like, I think, you know, between what do they call that training? We're, balance training, is it? Balanced, yes.
0: balanced. meaning for everyone listening, meaning they use all four quadrants of learning. So like they'll still use positive reinforcement, but they're also using a lot of punishment.
1: Right, so we had actually signed a contract saying that we would not use e-collars or electric collars or anything of that nature with brisket, which I was okay with because personally, that's not what I wanted. And then we also didn't want to use like choke or um, prong collars either because of how strong she is. We were actually afraid that she would damage her trachea or like any part of her throat if she in fact like pulled as hard as she was on any of the leash. So I think also finding the right training method was (laughs) a really long process, but we're glad we found you. Oh my
0: God. I'm so freaking glad that you, you found me. Okay. So can you tell the listeners? Okay. So she was barking. She was reacting like in the, the home setting. Can you tell everybody else? Like what other reactive behaviors you were starting to observe as you started to get to
2: know her? Well, mainly it was just, it was when we were, when we were out, um, when we were, when she was still in Illinois, we had to keep the blinds closed on that window just because she would get so Anxious and so nervous. I think it was just almost like she was overstimulated because the whole wall was a window sort of thing, and so when she actually did come into contact with the dog, it's almost like she was at a disadvantage right away because she was already so close to the threshold, almost, or so she was like, um, so it was just sort of like a vicious circle. She would go out, potentially see a dog, and she would really, she really reacts, especially back then. She would react pretty aggressive not aggressively but just it was sort of like an explosion there was a lot of energy a lot of anxiousness coming out and then she would take a while to uh shake it off so she'd kind of wear it with her for a good portion of when she got home
1: Um, yeah when we first got her she was pretty much reactive towards absolutely anything she used to gnaw my hands and legs so she's really mouthy I literally, like people would make emo jokes when I came to work because my whole, like from my fingertips to my elbow was all cut up, like bleeding, my legs were torn apart. So she didn't like me very much at first. She went nuts anytime a human, a dog, any animal went past our sliding glass door And then she would hear other dogs in the hallway. That would set her off. We lived next door to a dog walker and a dog sitter. So she always had dogs totally set her off. Cars would set her off. Obviously, she got hit by a car. So it took her a really long time to be able to be in a parking lot or on a street if a car went by. Um, So she pretty much reacted to absolutely everything that she came in contact with.
0: Right. And I remember
1: the first time
0: I met you guys, I asked about recovery times, right? I'm like, okay, this happens. How long does she stay hyped? And you're like, no, no, this is like a long duration of time. Like we're coming back in and then she's like still pacing and whining in the house. Right. Which is a lot, you know, it's not, she's just losing it and then she can shake it off and like come back to real life. Right. Like she was working herself into a frenzy that wasn't serving anyone very well. Right,
1: so her reactivity is definitely deep-seated. We talked about how it's mostly out of anxiety, frustration, and just fear. Um, So for her, it's not aggressive. When she does see another dog, she's not snarling. She doesn't have, like, the mohawk of fur, anything like that. It's almost like she's scared because she doesn't know what's going to happen with that other animal. And because we don't have a good idea of her history since she was a stray dog, Uh, we don't know what could contribute to that. And so essentially not knowing what made her act this way, it's impossible to have like a straight answer on how to cope with it. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay. So before me, you had already consulted with your vet about starting some behavior meds because of the lack of threshold. Like she pretty much was just constantly going over threshold.
1: Right. So she's on two different prescriptions. Um, We had to kind of fluctuate those to find what was best for her. Um, We also got her as not a puppy, but eight months old. So she kind of really grew. She got about 15 pounds bigger. So I think what ended up happening was that the prescription was correct for her. And then because she gained 15 pounds, We just had to kind of readjust that. Um, And Jarrett and I not thinking that she had gained that much weight or grew that much because we're with her every day. Um, When the vet said that, we were like, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. (laughs) Right. Okay, so I just want to touch on something because I know that there was,
0: you got some really bad training advice. And I I love so much how you were like, yeah, no, this is not right. But um, can you just share a little bit of like, what some, some trainers, quote unquote, trainers were telling you were necessary to like deal with her issues before we connected.
1: Um, so we dealt with a trainer who, I mean, I don't think she was bad, but it just wasn't a right fit for us. She wanted us to create brisket pretty much all day, every day, because she kept saying that, Brisket's, um, you know, most comfortable in a crate because that's, she was in isolation on crate rest for so long because of her broken leg that that was just where she was most comfortable. So to keep her in there all the time, um, it got to the point where Brisket was allowed out of the crate about two hours a day. And I kept calling Jared crying, being like, I did not adopt a dog to keep her in the crate and watch her cry and be upset with me because she's not able to act like a dog. Um, So that was like the first hint that I was like, no, I don't think so. So then I started looking at some other uh, training opportunities here in Buffalo. And a couple of them told me like, well, you can work without a prong, but don't expect results. And then someone said the same thing about e-collars. And I don't want to offend anyone, but my dog has severe anxiety and depression, and I'm not going to shock her into thinking she's doing something wrong for merely reacting the way her brain is telling her to. Um, And I think that's like a very millennial thing to say, because I know my mom has a dog with anxiety and she's like, well, I just don't want to give her anxiety medicine every day. Can you imagine? And I'm like, mom, if there's a chemical imbalance, you need to fix that. And it's not just give her a trazodone when you leave the house. It's a, you need to fix the anxiety. And if that's a real chemical imbalance, then that needs to be fixed on a daily basis. Um, and Jarrett's pharmaceutical background obviously helps a ton, like with understanding how medications work, what they do, like, I mean, I was pretty much clueless because before him, I was the same way. Like you take a pill once and I fix it like an aspirin, but that's not, not how it works with her particular med- medication. So um, we wanted to find someone who was a hundred percent positive reinforcement because we didn't essentially wanna punish her for the history that she was dealt, like not because of any choice that she made herself. Yeah.
0: And like, I remember that first conversation and I just wanted to reach through the computer and hug you. Right. Because it's so fucking true. Right. Like she is not doing and behaving that way maliciously. Right. And like, there's so much bullshit, like, oh, she's being dominant. You have to put her in her place. And like, that couldn't be any further from the truth. She's having an exponentially hard time coping with life right? And like punishing her only would have just made it so much worse in the long run. So I'm so glad you guys never even went down that road. So um, yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, there was someone who mansplained like, well, listen, you have to be the alpha. Otherwise she's going to walk all over you. And I'm like, she is scared of a car because she got hit by it. That is not her being the alpha. That is my dog being scared shitless. And me not knowing how to comfort her or help her or teach her that that's not going to be a bad constant in her life anymore, and so I just like that's why you're my favorite is because I heard like I have to be the alpha, she can't go on the couch, otherwise she's going to be in charge, and I'm like, but (laughs) no, you tell that to your kids. Do you tell your kids they can't go on the bed because they're the alpha? They do like. It just didn't make sense to me. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, right. And it doesn't make sense. You know, I heard a comparison recently that like chimps do this to raise their children, but we don't take a move from their playbook. You know what I mean? And it's so freaking true, right? Like dogs are related to wolves, but we have come a long way from there, right? We're not raising our children like chimpanzees do, and we're not training our dogs like wolves do, right? Like it's not the world we live in. Um, Okay. So, I don't know if I know this. How did
1: you guys originally find me? So it was through Bree. I had been writing in our, um, our, like our adoption place has a Facebook group where you can like voice your concerns and kind of do like the herd answer and get like everyone's opinion and stuff before like either going to the vet or get training or blah, blah, blah. Um, so we had been talking a lot about how reactive brisket was and how, um, we knew we didn't want to do an e-collar prong. We knew that we didn't want someone who was going to keep throwing like the alpha term around. So I think I had just written a ton of times in there. Like, I'm sure mostly crying because I just felt so lost and hopeless because, we knew we really wanted to keep brisket because she had been given back three times before. So I think that it was like a little bit of both of us are super hard headed and we're like, no, we're not like, we'll fix this. We're not giving her back. And then I think like we had made a connection with her. So we didn't want to just totally give up on her. And I (laughs) I kept telling everyone like, Jared's basically a doctor. We have a dog who had a broken leg with a bunch of mental illnesses. Like he's the one person who has like enough general training to be like, okay, well, like this is how we do this. This is And so like, I, because they said like her pins are going to pop at some point or something like that would totally terrify me. But I'm like, no, between Jared's like what he knows and his super calm demeanor, like we're the only ones who like can keep her. So we just trucked through it.
0: My God. Okay. So shout out to Bree because she's amazing. She has, she has connected me with so many fantastic people. So, um, what attracted you guys to reactive redefine? Like, obviously you needed help. Obviously, you know, you were looking for tools. I feel like I don't know. You tell me. I feel like COVID and reactive redefined timing was really well worked out, super well, right? That like we could do this virtually. We didn't have to be in the same place. But like, I don't know. I want to hear from both of you. Like, what seemed appealing about reactive redefined?
2: Um, well, I mean, it was pretty much addressing our exact needs. And I think a couple times, like when we were able just to kind of contact you at first and kind of have those, um, I guess not in person, but the the discussions, like the the preps for Active Redefined. We really enjoyed that. We thought we were getting a lot of, out a lot of just like talking to you. So we knew that going forward, it was like a good fit. It looked, we were excited for uh, Brisket's prospects, I guess, going forward.
1: <laughs> I think the name of the podcast alone made us feel normal because Brisket <laughs> AF. And so I feel like that just made me feel a thousand times better that like, If you can have enough humor in this situation to name a podcast that, then you're obviously not going to judge us for our nut job job. dog. And it almost feels like you're a therapist for brisket because I've, it's, we're not like punishing her and we're not, I don't want to say like not training her, but we're really giving her the tools to help her make her own choices, which is what I think I love so much about the program is it's not I feel like with reactiveness, it's not just like sit, stay, touch, that sort of thing. You have to like really dig into like what this specific dog is reactive towards why they're reactive towards that. And like, here are some tools to help her. And I, you just, you did that. And so I didn't want someone to come in and like be domineering and say like, this is what like, I just feel like, Like Jared said, with the first couple of like 30 minute meetings that we had, um, those just went really well. And so to have like a reactive class and then also the fact that you, you organized it in a group setting, it made us feel a lot more normal because we were in a class with other people, which is hard to do with reactive dogs because they don't want to be near each other. Um, So I think (laughs) just having that community basis that absolutely no one else is able to offer because this is, you know, through Zoom and, um, you know, like all virtual. So we can still do our training and have the tools and work with Brisket solo, but also have that community base of like other people who are also struggling at the same time because it's really frustrating. And I can't tell you how many times that like, we both have just been at our wits end with her. And so it's just so nice to have like other people who are like, okay, this is what I am also going through. Here's videos of my, and I just remember the first class, I just kept telling Jared, like, I'm so embarrassed. I don't want Brisket to be the worst dog in class. I don't want, you know, people to think that she's like so nuts and like, and then we saw some of the other dogs and we're like, oh, okay, like no other dogs do this. It's not just us. And like, that's, that's so much of
0: my intention behind the program. So it brings me immense joy to hear your feedback, but you know, it's like owning a dog can be so beautiful and so amazing, right? You have a dog like, Oh, loves other dogs. That's great. But like, then you add in the element of a dog who is struggling, right? Through no fault of their own, right? She just had a shitty deal, a shitty start to life. It is fucking isolating, right? To feel like, what did we do to get this dog who is like this? You know what I mean? And it was so beautiful to see you all like connect and cheer each other on along the way too. And like everyone really understanding like how big of a win, something that like a normal person wouldn't understand. Okay. So I want to hear from you guys. What did you find to be the most helpful piece of training advice that you received through Reactive Redefined?
2: I mean, I think at first, in regards to our, like, in regards to our expectations, um, it was sort of, instead of it just being like, you know, us expect, or instead of her being suddenly, I guess, good, I guess, I think it was good to know that some of the some of the training was going to be focused on getting out, um, kind of getting out of the area, like the U-turn or the uh, yeah, exercises like that, kind of with the expectation that she's going to have problems going forward and that those are tools we'll need. It's not an expectation that she's just going to be able to be shoulder to shoulder with the dog um, wherever it may be. So it's kind of good to know that where we are aiming and kind of where we could start to see measurable progress with stuff like that, that makes sense. But
1: yeah absolutely
0: and I think that that's super important right and I think when people like do training they're expecting this like out like, you know, amazing result. And I think that I do a really good job in the course of helping you understand and measure those small wins. You know, it's not that she has to be perfectly fine with dogs tomorrow. It's about those incremental skills that we're building, getting towards that goal eventually, right? It's not going to happen overnight, right? Um, but I think that it's helpful, especially in a group setting, to be able to see those measurable improvements that aren't like giant leaps, right? Sometimes those giant leaps happen, but it's that measurable progress that really, that's where all the metaphorical magic happens.
1: Well, I think once we set the right expectations, she did end up making leaps and bounds with her progress because We knew that she, like Jared said, wasn't gonna be able to be shoulder to shoulder with another dog, but one of the most, I think, helpful things that you taught us was how to reduce her emphasis on triggers. And with, you know, like look at that and touch, we were able to kind of like divert her attention to something else. Um, or like getting a treat so that she'd be like, okay, yeah, you're there. I'm mad at you. Don't be there. I don't want you there. Come by me or don't be there. But we were able to like give her a treat, you know, and like have her do a trick. And she's, she's very like worker dog. So if we're giving her a task to do, like her brain automatically switches. And I think that helped us with meltdown mode while we're out. And so I think that just to not have all of the attention in a given area brought to us because our dog is doing backflips and screaming, um, and having like a temper tantrum was leaps and bounds for us because we got to the point where we were like too embarrassed to even take her on a walk because if there was another dog anywhere near, like we were so embarrassed and it was like, we weren't embarrassed that like, our dog was misbehaving but we like had all this unwanted attention and I feel like I was being so mama bear that I'm like no you have no idea what my dog was like you do not look at her that and so we would just end up getting so frustrated and I hated that she was being judged as like a naughty dog when she wasn't being naughty she was having anxiety Um, And so I think that we finally got to the point where like, even if we're out and about in the car, like whatever, and we see another dog, we now have like things where we can like divert her attention. And I think that just makes it like a thousand times better.
0: Right. And then that way you get to go out and feel empowered that like you get to make, not only help her, right? Like she can process better, but also know you're working towards like showing the world what a shining star she is, right? Instead of feeling like people are constantly looking at you like, oh my God, those people, they're terrible trainers. Like, don't mind us. Don't mind us. We're doing our best over here. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, So, okay. So let's talk about, let's fast forward to now. Can you share like some of the most meaningful progress that Brisket made over the course of Reactive Redefined? Well, all of you, right? Because it wasn't just her, right? Like you guys had to work on your skills too.
2: Um, I think what we noticed like immediately, not immediately, but definitely the most, most notable thing was just like her, her timeline, I guess, instead of this having the spike and then sort of staying on this plateau just below the spike for an extended period of time, even after coming home. Um, we kind of remove her from the situation. She'd pretty much be back to to calm, which was a lot of stress removed. Um, I think even if we got her on like, a, I don't know, across the street, or once we got her back inside, she was normal. She wasn't crying and pacing. And so that was very helpful. I think that was a big deal. Um, just in regards to her mental well-being, I think too. At that point every time we went outside because when you're crying and pacing for half an hour after every time you go outside it's a large portion of your dog's day so that was
0: yeah and i feel like brisket just had this compounded stress right like she was never truly like getting to a baseline like she was staying above threshold for like a really really long duration of time right? And like, that is so unhealthy for any creature, right? But especially a dog, right? A a young, high energy dog to be like in that state of stress for so long (laughs) is so unhealthy. So the fact that like, she can have a reaction and then like, move on is freaking huge. I mean, that's so huge. And do you feel like that is like trickled into other aspects of your life that once used to be more challenging? like just the ability that like she can come back down to baseline and be like happy brisket instead of like worried, anxious brisket.
1: I feel like she can be a dog now. Finally. Like I cried the first time you suggested a long leash and you were like, well, these are the things to look out for. Like, this is, you know, like her playing whatever we saw her like rolling around on her back in the grass and just like running around sniffing stuff and coming back. And I'm like, this poor dog the whole time we've just been told like she has to be in the crate. She has to be inside. She's probably been like so stir crazy on top of anxiety and being in a new city that she just like wanted to be a dog and release. And when we finally had the tools to let her do that without being petrified of, you know, what potentially could happen or, what was around the corner or things like that. I think that just made both of our lives a thousand times better because, um, you know, like we're not taking her to like dog parks and stuff that like we can walk down the street without Jared and I screaming at each other because <laughs> what we're doing for brisket isn't the right thing. And I just remember like, all three of us had to have a time out when we would come back from a walk with her, because we were so upset with each other. We were upset that brisket wasn't doing what we wanted and that like people were staring at us for having a meltdown. And so it was just like family chaos where all of us had to go into separate rooms for like an hour after we would take a walk to Starbucks because we all just needed to like be away from each other and calm down before like reconvening to be like, (laughs) okay, what went wrong like I think yeah like our lives have completely been way less stressed not stressless obviously she still is reactive but we have like treats in the car Jarrett always has his treat fanny pack on if we're like we've always like we did like training exercises with the dog across the hall and we like got you know like straight up hot dogs because we're like okay this is a big thing we want to live in this apartment we don't want the dogs to be like barking at each other all the time like we need to get them to at least acknowledge that each other live in the same place and so I think that's even been better too like living in a city in an apartment building with other dogs and not having to like I don't know, cry every time we leave the front door because <laughs> we don't know what's going to be around the corner or who's coming in and out or what's in the parking lot or anything like that. So, Well, I- being
0: in that constant state of worry, right? Like that is emotionally and physically draining for everyone, not just brisket because you have to be attached to her, right? Like you know, it's like, it's such a human response to be like overwhelmed and stressed when we don't feel like we have the tools to like help our dog be more successful. And like, yeah, like, you know, it, it's, it's straining on a relationship, right. To feel like, no, you have to do this. No, you have to do that. Right. Like I'm not immune from that. Right. I'm a dog trainer and still sometimes my husband and I are like at each other's throats, but, <laughs> um, but yeah. Okay. So these days right you guys you have the tools you can get her out you're doing a lot of long leash stuff where she can just be happy and be a dog but then you also are working on the skills right those those trained skills that you need so can you share just a little bit about the u-turn because I feel like the emergency u-turn was like a game changer for you guys because it shifted brisket out of that worried headspace into like oh we're running this is kind of fun so can you just share a little bit about that
2: I guess, issues when she does see like a dog. She's a very, she puts her entire focus on determining like where it's going to go, unless you can sort of grab her attention. So the U-turn sort of helped in that when you do anything kind of running like that, she really, uh, she kind of puts her entire focus into that instead. So it's been a really good, she thinks it's a game, I think. <laughs> oh. with her. So I think even in one of the videos we had where she went from crying to tail wagging and stuff when she ran away with Dina. And so, I don't know, she's, uh, I guess, putting her worry into exercise and she seems to have a good time with it. So that's really helped. And she doesn't seem to carry uh, the interaction with the dog as much either. So that was really helpful for us.
1: I thought that would be like the most pain in the ass thing because I'm like, Jarrett, we can't just like run away all <laughs> we'll end up like four miles away if we have to just run in the opposite direction all the time but then when we realized that like we had these other things like you know you turn with her for like 50 steps give her some treats then do like touch to keep her mind off of it and then do look at that from farther away it became like this it was a routine. And she knew that was going to happen when we encountered those animals. And so it was almost like, she'd be like, okay, mom, I did this. Where's my treat now? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And like seeing that shift of her, like
0: voluntarily participating and feeling empowered, like, cool, I know what to do. I'm ready. I'm doing the thing. I'm ready for my cookie, like huge for a dog like brisket, right. Who otherwise it was just like, see a dog lose it right? And I really feel like, obviously the medications were a huge part of like getting her out of like that thought rut. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think that it was just the training, right? Like, I mean, I like to chew my own horn, but I don't think it was just that, right? Like obviously the meds played a part in that, but she was able to shift out of that head space. Um, and, and the video, oh my gosh, the video progress is crazy, right? Like, and to your point, Jared, right? She's standing there crying and you're like, oh, we're going to run this way. She's like, oh, okay, cool. That sounds like a good option. You know what I mean? So for everyone listening who is not super familiar with reactive redefined part of the program is I have everyone upload progress videos, right? I'm, I'm I'm keeping tabs. I know it seems a little like, like how does all of this work if, if it's virtual, but I feel like we did a really good job of making sure that you guys had the mechanical skills you needed as the trainer, but I was able to see the progress over time.
1: Right. And I think that the most helpful part of the videos was, like I said earlier, when you have a reactive dog, it's, there's no group classes because the dog can't be around other dogs. So that's like the biggest thing. What I was afraid of is like, OK, we have a group setting. This is awesome. We have this community. Also, the videos. When we didn't know what we were supposed to be doing or what that, because like you had the videos, but Waylon's an angel at this point. Tiva is also amazing. So when they're doing it and they're acting properly, I'm like, okay, great. Like this is not going to be helpful because our dogs. In that case, she's doing backflips right now. I am not going to be able to do. Look at that. But then when we had taken a look at. You know like Ronnie or Breeze videos that were also uploaded in the drive I could be like okay so um Boost is like barking through the whole thing at this the squirrel what so I'm like okay so I at least know that like this is kind of what it's supposed to look like if the dog has no idea what's going on so I think that was really helpful is to like look at other people who are at that really bottom level also to see like okay I know what the end game is but like how do I get to that point and so it was nice to see other people at all different levels because like some of the dogs were really good at Heal, or some of them were really good at the look at that, or touch, or whatever, and and so it was nice to see like the dogs that were like really getting it, and also the progress along the way, so that we knew what we were supposed to be looking like at all of these different stages without having to send you a video like every thirty seconds and be like, wait, was this right or (laughs) (laughs) right?
0: And there's so much learning from everybody, and I'm so glad you brought this up, right? Because I feel like a lot of times, like as dog trainers we like show the end product video. And that's not fucking real life, right? That's not like you're out on a walk, she's literally losing her shit, what exactly am I supposed to do? So um, I wanna hear how you guys are feeling like as as the trainer and her guardians, are you feeling like empowered, like you know what you need to do going forward?
2: Yeah, I think, I think we had a definitely a good, uh, gave us a good trajectory going forward after, especially after the last one, in regards to focusing on how to make incremental, I guess, improvements on her, on her interactions. That's still her, still her thing. Um, But I think in general, just the lower stress, it seems like it's sort of been fruitful and I guess our life in general, it seems like we're not starting at a disadvantage. It seems we take her out. So everything just seems a little bit more Doable. I know when we would first go out, if there'd be a dog that barked at a window, there'd be sort of like a cloud over us, be like, This walk is over. Like, this dog in the window just ruined it. It's going to be a rock, however long.
1: We have, we know the houses on like everywhere that have dogs, especially dogs that bark. Because, I mean, we would literally hit the corner and be like, we're fucked. Like, the dog, the two German Shepherds are barking. Like, we're done. And then we would be like, okay, let's let's get through this. Like, positive, 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 positive. Let's chug a Red Bull. Let's get through this. Get the third house. Dog comes around. And I'm just like, okay, we're, no, we're, we're never. And then we would try all hours. We would start drinking on Friday. Take her out at, like, midnight or 1 a.m., and we'd still run it. So we're like, well, what time can we go? We've won to like Starbucks at like 7am. We've been walking her drunk at 1am, like all throughout the day, like noon, nothing would work. We couldn't do like, we couldn't get her outside. And I don't think that that is even possible. We don't live in a bubble. So I think that we needed this class because we needed to be able to manage her behaviors in a way that we could leave our apartment without like crying. Oh my God. Right. And like
0: one bark doesn't undo your outings anymore. Right. Oh my God. Which is so huge. I'm so freaking proud of you guys. It's been honestly such a delight to get to know you and be a part of your journey. So thank you for trusting me. And like, you know, I think people listening, if they don't know me, it kind of seems like bullshit, but I fucking mean it. And I think you guys know that,
1: right? And, and the, I mean, the- we didn't know you either. <laughs> Our <laughs> literal only thing was we're like, okay, we see she lives like by Highlands Ranch and that's where Jared's parents are. So she's got to be like a little normal, right?
0: Right. But you know, I am extremely passionate and you guys are my ideal client because you're committed. You're willing to do the work. You just needed the tools. And I know that it's going to continue to be successful. Right. You guys know that it's not a straight trajectory, but you have the skills and you can, oh my God. And like, seriously, I can only imagine like holding that long leash, seeing her roll around being a dog and being like, yep, we picked the right trainer. (laughs) No, for sure. (laughs) oh my god okay so um do you have any words of wisdom for other reactive uh, reactive dog owners who are listening that maybe are not as far along in their journey as you guys are
2: Um, sometimes the things that seem like little little victories are actually pretty huge so um take it as a positive and take it as a a good stepping stone and keep going forward use it as motivation um Mm -hmm. That's it.
1: That's what I got. Um, I think I would just say, I mean, I guess, like, listen to your dog. I think the biggest frustration that Jarrett and I were having was these reactions were happening. And before you had us make, like, this triggers list and, like, take a look at her body language and things like that, We basically were just like, oh, she's scared of everything. Like, let's move on or like, let's go inside. But if you actually take the time to look at what your dog is reacting to and what their signs are before they reach the highest peak, I think that you can really like do some good work and avoid some of those bigger meltdowns by just like listening to what your dog has to say.
0: Oh my God. Wise freaking words, you two. Wise words. Thank you so much for chatting with me. This has been so much fun. And I just, I can't, I just am looking forward to seeing more adorable brisket photos in the future. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about how you can connect with me for training, you can go to my website, agfdogtraining.com. If you'd like more training inspiration and insight, you can follow me on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. If you'd like to become a member and support the podcast, please check us out on Patreon. You can check us out at patreon.com slash disorderly dogs. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out out on any future episodes and if you really like this podcast and you want to go above and beyond for me you could leave a five-star review over on apple Podcasts to help more like-minded individuals find us